good. Welcome to New Life Midtown, guys. Happy Father's Day to everyone in the room. And uh, I just want to say thanks for joining us today on this glorious, beautiful June 19th day. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 15, it says to rejoice with those who rejoice. But it also says to weep with those who weep, which is interesting because every time we gather, every Sunday, or in a small group, or in a men's prayer, or a women's prayer, every time you come together with people in God, there's somebody there who's probably rejoicing over the goodness of God in their life. But there's also probably somebody in that group, no matter how large or small, that's also weeping, that's also struggling in some way. Which is interesting because the scripture tells us to be sensitive and gracious and kind to those that are going through a difficult season. So we're going to do that today. We're going to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And we're going to weep with those who are weeping. Because probably in no other time is that scripture enhanced than in high watermark seasons in our calendar. Mother's Day, Father's Day, even Christmas, Easter. These moments are moments when our emotions and our memories are heightened. On this day, there are some of us that have uh, incredible relationships with our dads. Or maybe we are a great dad. And guys, listen, that should be celebrated. Like we should rejoice with you. And today we do rejoice with you. And we thank God for you. But today is also a day of a lot of pain. It's a, it's a lot of struggle. It's a lot of confusion. A lot of frustration. A lot of hurt. There are some in the room Maybe you've wanted kids and that's still an aching and a longing in your heart. And we want to pray grace for you today. Maybe there are some in the room where your relationship with your dad wasn't great or maybe it was non-existent. And so when you hear everyone saying, Happy Father's Day, it just kind of hits a place of pain in your life. And today as a community of faith and as a spiritual family, we don't want to just gloss over that. We want to be sensitive to that. And so could you join me here for a moment where we just invite the Holy Spirit to minister to each and every one of us, wherever we may be on this day. Holy Spirit, would you come? And Holy Spirit, would you bring the grace of the Father to every single one of us? Lord, I want to begin with those who today, this is, this is a day of pain. This is a day of, it's a day of confusion. It's a day of frustration. It's a day of aching or longing. Or maybe it's a day of grief or bitterness or despair. And Holy Spirit, I want to pray today that wherever my brothers or sisters are on this day, that you would be so near and that you would minister the comfort and the grace of the good Father. Father, I pray that you would step right in as you always have and as you always will. But on this day, I pray that you would step in and that you would be the perfect Father, that you would heal hearts, that you would weep with us that you would grieve with us, that you would remind us of promise, and that you, oh God, would be so faithful to my friends, your sons and your daughters. Lord, today where this is a day of celebration, it's a day of rejoicing, Lord, I pray that you would fill our joy cup to the fullness. Lord, let it just run over, let it spill over. Let us be grateful for good fathers and Father, let us relish in the hope that you can make us good fathers who are called to be so. Lord, I pray you would anoint the word today. Give us grace as we open the scriptures. Encounter us here. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, before we jump into the word, I've got uh, one quick announcement that's different from the ones we've already given today. Uh, we're going to go to a summer schedule. 
starting the Sunday after the service in the park. And what that very simply means is we're going to go from two services to one for the summer. The summer being the month of July and the month of August. So we took a little poll in second service, and they are ecstatic about uniting the clans, okay? They're like, bring us back together. So I asked them, I said, is anyone here just longing for your own service? Is anyone here saying, no, we, we want to be the 11 o'clock service? No, every single hand in the room went up. And so for the summer, we're going to go to one service. It'll be at 10 a.m. So you get to sleep in a little bit. And uh, second service has to get here a little bit earlier. It's going to be harder on them. So uh, I apologize for any inconvenience for those of you who are like, I like my 9 a.m. so I can get on with my morning. Services will still be the same length. They'll still be about 90 minutes. Uh, This is going to really help our volunteer load, children's ministry, worship. Um, so let's, let's lean in, and I think it's going to be really fun. I think it's an opportunity. I'll explain more in the weeks to come, but I think it's going to be a great, great time. It's going to be a great reprieve, a form of a Sabbath and a sabbatical for all of us who serve so diligently. So uh, I'm going to invite you into that. July 10th is when that begins, okay? We'll give you reminders in the weeks leading up to that. Okay, if you're here with us today for the first time, welcome. My name's Jay Duncan. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life Midtown. We're one of eight congregations in Colorado Springs, and it is an absolute joy to have you with us today. I pray with all my heart that you encounter God, that you encounter him in and through this people, and that you would encounter him in all the many things that are happening today. And I pray that you be blessed. We've been in a series for the past several weeks now. In fact, it's coming to a close. And I'm, I'm, a little, I'm a little sad about this. I've been having so much fun in our series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, uh, we're going to wrap it up next week. It's going to be our last sermon on the Holy Spirit for this particular series. So grab your Bibles if you would. I feel like I've got a word burning in my bones for you today. And then uh, if everything works out the way I think it should, uh, I've got a great word next week about the Holy Spirit being present and involved in our suffering and in our struggle. So don't skip out on that. Okay, today I want to talk with you about the fact that the Holy Spirit is at work in our words. The Holy Spirit is present and active and involved in a mighty and powerful way in the words that we speak. So Holy Spirit, come and help us today as we look at the one who inspires the utterances of our mouths. Acts chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 1 again. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, They were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And at this point, you guys are saying, Pastor Jade, you're you're cheating because you preached this exact same message last week. Yes, I did. But I told you last week also that I could preach a hundred messages on these four verses. Look at verse four. The scripture says that all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak. Pause, all right? Because this is where we lose a lot of people. We lose a lot of people here uh, about tongues or no tongues and, and all of that. What I wanna focus on this morning is the fact that when the Holy Spirit touches our lives, It will affect our speech. 
And over and over and over again, from the Old Testament to the New, what we find is that when the Holy Spirit comes upon someone, it does transformative and powerful work in the words that come out of our mouths. Look at this. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak. All right, let's look at a couple of verses over here at Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Same storyline. So the, the early church was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And everyone in the room begins to speak under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, who was speaking? The people. It was their voices. It was their mouths. It was their tongue. It was their utterance. But the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired them or enabled them or empowered them. Are you seeing how God works together? The divine and the human work together always in all things. We see that life in God is this beautiful harmony of the divine and the human working together. So when you pray in tongues or when you pray in the spirit, it isn't that God comes and takes over your body. That's weird. It's your voice. It's your voice. It's your language. It's your tongue. It's your faculty of speech. You give him your voice, and he enables you to speak in heavenly mysteries and languages. So then Peter stands up because everyone's accusing them that they're drunk. Watch this. Then Peter stood up with the 11, and what did he do? He raised his Voice. In other words, he stood up and he spoke under the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you know anything about Peter's background here, just several weeks earlier, there was a young girl that was actually inquiring of Peter, hey, aren't you one of Jesus' disciples? Anyone know how this story goes? And Peter vehemently opposes her, betrays Jesus, denies any association with him, and cusses the girl out. This is the same guy. What's the difference? What happened? Well, several things happened. Jesus rose again from the dead. Jesus breathed his spirit upon Peter. Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit on Peter. And now one of the evidences of a spirit-filled life is this man stands up, and he has a newfound courage and boldness to speak to an antagonistic crowd of strangers. Let's keep reading here, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. Peter now is explaining to everyone on the day of Pentecost what exactly is happening. And he's referencing a prophet in the Old Testament by the name of Joel. And in verse 17, is it verse 17? Verse 17, it says, In the last days, Peter is quoting Joel here. In the last days, God says, watch this, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, what is the result of God pouring out his spirit on the sons and the daughters? And your sons and your daughters will what? They will prophesy. So one of the fruits of a spirit-filled life is there is divine utterance inspired and empowered by God that will transform the way that you speak. Now, I don't have time to go into all of this, but we should take hope and courage and confidence in the fact that the scripture says your sons and your daughters, which is a massive scope of people, will prophesy. 
This is a promise. This is actually a throwback to a story in the book of Numbers, chapter 11, when Moses is navigating this difficult season where the children of Israel are all grumbling and complaining. And God says, listen, come here. Come here, Moses. I'm going to take some of the spirit that I put on you, and I'm going to put it on the elders that are in this community. And then as a result of God taking some of his spirit and putting it on the elders in the community, they all begin to prophesy. Well, there's a couple of elders that didn't, I, I guess they missed the memo or they, they were you know, cleaning out the tent or something. So they didn't join the meeting. But at the same time, while they're hanging out, these two other elders are hanging out with the rest of the people, they also begin to prophesy. And then Joshua jealous for Moses' honor and glory, runs to Moses and says, hey, hey, listen, these guys are prophesying in the camp. And Moses is like, listen, man, you don't have to be jealous in my account. I wish that every single one of us would prophesy. It is part of your God-given inheritance and calling and destiny to prophesy Now, let's not get twisted about this. We don't have to make it weird. What do you mean when you want me to prophesy, Pastor Jade? All I mean is I want you to speak the words of God. I want you to to dial in to the written word and the spoken word and to be able with confidence and clarity to speak the word of God into your life and over your life and into the situations that are around you. And today, that's my target to inspire you and motivate you and encourage you to be people that speak the word of God into every arena of your lives. Let's keep reading here, Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Same story. So now Peter preaches the gospel, he prophesies, he references the Old Testament scripture, and when the people heard this, See, the result of you speaking the word of God by the power of God and by the spirit of God is that it has an effect. Our words fall to the ground. Your words are powerless. It doesn't matter how smart or intellectual or experienced or charismatic you are. Your words do not carry the power to change lives. But when Peter stood up inspired and filled with the Holy Spirit, the scripture tells us they were cut to the heart. You ever been cut to the heart? You ever sat under uh, preaching? Maybe you've been in a conversation and someone said something and it it just cuts you to the heart. It punches you in the gut. You know what that is? It's, it means that there's, there's substance on someone's words. Their words are carrying life and authority and power and conviction. Don't waste your words, friends. Your words were designed to create and to change lives. Don't waste your words. Don't don't waste your words on cynicism and sarcasm and vulgarity and filthiness. Don't waste your words on that. Your words are too powerful. Your words were designed to inject the life of God, the logos of God, the knowledge of God, the revelation of God. Your words were designed to cut people to the heart in a way that heals and in a way that brings life. Amen? Look over here at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. The scripture says, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to just stupidity. Right? Instead, instead... 
be filled with the Spirit. Another message for another time, but what's interesting here is he's, he's using the metaphor of intoxication and connecting it with the Spirit. Okay, I'll just leave that there. Let's go on. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 19. Now, it's difficult because we, we broke this up on the slides. But what I need you to see here is at the end of 18, it says, instead, be filled with the Spirit, right? And what's the next phrase that follows that? Speaking. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking. Are you, are, are you with me today? The Holy Spirit will transform the way you use words. Now, let me just pause right here. We'll just have a little parentheses. Because I think the more that we live in God, there's, there's two ways that the Holy Spirit affects our speaking. The first is transformative, which means that as we just grow in God, as we mature in Christ, as we become followers of Jesus who give over our lives to the discipleship of the Lordship of Christ, it means that our lives should change. The way we think, our perspective, the way we treat one another, and this should affect the way we speak. This is transformative. Our language should sound more like the fruit of the Spirit. Your words should sound more like love and joy and peace and patience. It's just the slow work of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives. So that's the transformative work of the Holy Spirit. But there's also this inspiring work of the Holy Spirit. We see this when Jesus is talking with his disciples. I'm so sorry, this isn't on, this, this isn't on the list, Drew. But we see this when Jesus is talking to the disciples in Matthew 16, and he says, who do people say that I am? Right? And Peter says, I know. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. You know what that is? That wasn't the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life. That was the inspired work of the Holy Spirit coming upon Peter in that moment to bring him revelation, which resulted in an inspired utterance that came out for that moment. Now... What we'll find out is, and this is where we have to have wisdom and discernment. What we'll find out is, is that just because Peter had inspired utterance, it did not mean that he had the character or the understanding or the discernment to match the inspired utterance. So you have, God's going to transform our language because we're maturing in Christ but God will also inspire you for moments that are way beyond where your character is in the moment. And what's dangerous is, particularly for preachers and people who prophesy and people where this, this divine utterance comes a little bit more naturally, we can confuse spiritual maturity with divine utterance. So be careful about that. All right? Okay, let's keep going here. Let's talk about how the Holy Spirit works with our words. First, we need to understand that our words have power. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, a very well-quoted verse, but I want us to look at it. The scripture says that the tongue has the power of life and death. And I looked at this verse in almost every translation, and it says almost, from the ESV to the Amplified, New King James, New, New Living Translation, tiny, tiny nuances, but... Uh, but, 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 but far and away, it's almost word for word this. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now, I probably need to throw a couple of disclaimers out here because 
What I don't want us to walk away with is assuming that this message has anything to do with us controlling anything by the power of our words. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about, you know, mysterious formulas. I'm not talking about, you know, creating our own world with our words. I'm talking about aligning our words with the words of God in complete submission, surrender, and trust, and having the courage and the confidence to speak God's words out when those moments are necessary and required. Friends, your words have the power to shape your life. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. What you speak over your marriage matters. What you speak over your singleness matters. What you speak over those foster kids matters. It is, it is undoing things in their life. Or it is setting a track and a trajectory for their hope and their confidence and their belief in themselves. What you speak over yourself matters. Negativity, pessimism, doubt. Guys, listen, pay attention. Take inventory of what is coming out of your mouth. Because Jesus tells us in Matthew 12, 34, that out of the overflow or out of the abundance of your heart. So if you want to know what's happening in your heart, because your heart's invisible. If you want to know what's going on in there, pay attention to your words. Are, are, are they words of defeat? Are they words of depression, anxiety, fear, frustration, bitterness, resentment, hope, confidence, joy? What's coming out of your mouth? And we're not talking about a fake it till you make it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about taking inventory and being honest with ourselves, not slapping Christianese on things, but saying, God, if I'm hurt right now, oh, wow, that's in my heart. And help me to process my grief with you in a way that my heart gets healthy so that I can speak words of health and life over me and my circle of influence and over the situation that I live in. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Look at Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, phenomenal story here. Emphasizing how the Holy Spirit works with your words. I don't understand how he does this. But when we look throughout scripture, what we find is that the Holy Spirit has this dynamic relationship with words. And particularly... And most importantly, the words of God. Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters of the deep. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. It wasn't coincidental that they put those right next to each other. The Holy Spirit is watching over the word to perform it. Right? The Holy Spirit is waiting for the word to be spoken to move doesn't mean that he's like handcuffed by our words, but he works with our words and we work with him with our words. It's just how God does things. So we'll see this in Ezekiel 37, verse 1 through 10. The hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel the prophet, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of dry bones. And he led me back and forth among them and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very, very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? And I said, sovereign Lord, only you know. 
And then he said to me, well, then prophesy. Prophesy. Hopefully you're going to hear a theme. Hopefully you're going to hear a pattern. You're going to hear this pattern that when the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, he, he, he speaks to us so that he can speak through us. Notice how God pulls a man alongside of him, has him survey the hopelessness of the situation, and he says, this is your key. Speak to it. Speak to it. Speak my words to it. Speak words of promise to it. Speak words of life to it. Speak words of hope to it. Speak, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And sometimes you're going to feel like a lunatic. You're going to speak over that dying marriage and everything in the natural looks like it's utterly hopeless. You're going to speak over that doctor's report and it's going to look utterly hopeless. But I'm here to tell you today, quiet yourself until you can hear God say, prophesy this, speak this, say this over the dry bones of your situation. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and you will know that I am the Lord. Listen to that promise. That's an amazing promise that God gives Ezekiel right there in that moment. So, I love this, verse 7. So I prophesied as he commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. Listen, if you haven't heard rattle by elevation, go home. Go to Spotify, download Rattle, and listen to it till it gets in your bones, okay? Until your dry bones live again. I prophesied as I was commanded. As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, skin, just like God said he would do. Then in verse 9, he says, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, 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 prophesy prophesy, prophesy, prophesy to the social injustice, prophesy to the systemic corruption, prophesy, speak the word of the Lord into and over your situation by the inspiration and power of the Holy Spirit, friends. Three ways that I see, there's many, but three ways that I see the Holy Spirit at work, and I'm going to blow through the first two Because this whole message, the genesis of this entire message is really in the third point. All right, the first is the Holy Spirit will empower you to speak boldly. He will empower you to speak with boldness. He will empower you to speak with a courage and a confidence that was not there prior. Look at Acts chapter 4. We're going to go through this very quickly. Peter and John have just been thrown in prison. And they've been thrown in prison because they healed a guy that has been an invalid for 38 years of his life. Miraculous, miraculous demonstration of God's power. The religious leaders didn't like it. They throw him in prison, and they command them, stop doing this. You're no longer allowed to preach in the name of Jesus. You're throwing confusion into the entire city. And Peter and John come out of prison, and while they are facing the religious leaders, here's what they say, and it says this. It says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he addressed the religious leaders of that day, the power brokers of that day, 
Now, you have to understand the dynamics of what's going on in, in kind of the Pharisee, the Pharisee structure. People don't stand up and challenge the Pharisees, y'all. They just don't do that. Culturally, religiously, it was completely inappropriate, and no one did that. But Peter, the scripture tells us in Acts 4, filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, rulers and elders of the people. He addresses them. He says, if we're being called to account today for this act of kindness given to this man, know this, that it is by the power of Jesus' name that he stands before you healed. And then he goes on to say in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, he says, salvation will be found in no other name under heaven or earth but the name of Jesus. Where did that come from? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Power and boldness. Some of you are facing situations right now where you need the power of the Holy Spirit. You're in a difficult situation at work. Maybe you've got conflict that you've got to speak into. Maybe some, someone who's been a power broker over your life has been doing things that have been unjust, and you know that you've got to address those things in the right spirit. But you're scared, and I understand that, and God understands that. And this is why he says, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I'm going to fill you with my spirit to give you boldness and courage and confidence. Friends, we need this in this hour, in this hour, where it is so taboo to stand up and have any, any fiber of, of, of moral value. We need the courage and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, again, because I'm blowing through these, here's the next thing. We also need the power of the Holy Spirit to not just speak with boldness, but to speak with wisdom. Because as it relates to us speaking to the culture, a lot of us can have no problem speaking with boldness. And I question whether or not it's a Holy Spirit boldness or just part of your brash personality or anger or frustration or what. But we need wisdom with our boldness. And we find this here in the book of Mark. Actually, the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 12, verse 12. Jesus is telling his disciples that when you are brought before synagogues, in Luke 12, 12, you're going to be brought before rulers, you're going to be brought before authorities. He says, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. Because, verse 12, the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you will say. Here's the beautiful thing. We saw that fulfilled in Acts chapter 4. We saw that fulfilled. The very people that Jesus spoke that to. They're standing before rulers. They're standing before elders. They don't know what to say. And Jesus says, don't worry, because in that moment, I'm going to give you a word of wisdom. We see this in Paul. Paul stands before Festus. Paul stands before Agrippa. And every single time, you're, you're just blown away at Paul's wisdom. How is that? How is it that every time Jesus was standing before his accusers, he knew when to be silent? He knew how to respond to a question with a question? He knew how to throw the right thing in there that just messes up all their plans and he walks away. Like he was the ultimate mic dropper, Jesus was. <laughs> and what is that? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit endowed him with wisdom. And here's the thing. Some of you are in situations right now, you need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit for difficult conversations now more than ever before. Our culture is entangled and enmeshed, and the prevailing spirit of the day is a spirit of offense. It is the prevailing spirit, and victimization, and entitlement, 
and, and this manipulative form of control, it's all tied in to the spirit of offense. And if you don't say things the right way, then I cut you off and I cancel you. We need wisdom. We need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to address just difficult, difficult situations that are happening in the world around us. Right? Wherever you stand on issues like abortion or gun violence or racism or pr- police brutality or immigration, I'm just here to tell you right now, they're, they're, it's not a, oh, this is simple. Right. It's, not, it's not. They're not simple. Right. And if you think they're simple, I would like to humbly challenge you. They're not simple. All right? You need to pull back and say, what are, what are all of the issues that are involved here? And Holy Spirit, give me wisdom to know which string to pull on first. Because it's different, it might be different with every person that you talk to. And if you use one wrong word for a certain person, it might be a landmine. But the Holy Spirit will give you wisdom, friends, for everyone. Don't go, don't just, don't go blowing into these things. They have got to be powerful, commando. No, no, wisdom and boldness. All right, now let's, 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 get, let's get to where I really want to get. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I, I always find myself in the Christmas season getting distracted in Luke chapter 1. And by distracted, I mean I'm so fascinated with what the Holy Spirit is doing in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth and John. I think it is one of the most beautiful stories, and I think it is one of the most powerful demonstrations of how the Holy Spirit works within families to secure covenant promise to generations. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're barren, they're old. They're not able to conceive children. And Zechariah is a priest. And according to priestly duties and customs, he goes into the temple once a year and he serves in the temple. He's making sacrifices. He's tending to the altar And while he's there, he has an encounter with an angel, and the angel says, I'm going to answer the deepest cry of your heart, and I'm going to give you a child. And Zechariah begins to banter back and forth with this angel and essentially say, this this is impossible. How is this going to be? Now, we have to kind of zoom out here for a second to understand what's happening in the grand scale. God is about to send Jesus to earth And part of God's plan that he has spoken into and prophesied and foretold for hundreds of years is that there will be a forerunner that goes before Jesus who prepares the way prophetically. John is that forerunner. John's dad has absolutely zero paradigm for what God is up to. The only thing Zechariah knows is what he knows that has been done for hundreds of years in the priestly lineage and in the priestly customs. This is what it means to be a priest. Every priest, we have priests. So whoever my child is, his name's going to be Zechariah, and he's going to be a priest because that's how it's always been done. And God's saying, son, I'm about to do something that has never been done. I've got to do something that has never been done. Because if you want what you've always got, keep doing what you always did. But I don't want what I always got. I want the redemption of the entire cosmos. Are you hearing me today? I want a new heavens and a new earth. 
I want the kingdom of God to come to earth. And in order for that to happen, we've got to do things a different way. So, son, I'm actually going to have to get you out of the way to make sure you don't mess up what I've been working on for all of eternity. Because, son, your words have power. And you're a father, which means your words carry more power. Are you hearing me today? So in the story, as it goes, God shuts up the mouth of Zechariah. He, he, just, he just shuts his mouth. And he can't speak for months. Poor Elizabeth. Morning sickness and everything. He's like... Maybe it was actually a blessing for Elizabeth now that I think about it. She's like, she's like, this is great. You, you, you just sit there. You just sit there. You do you. I'm going to do me. This is great. The calm before the prophetic storm, Lord. <laughs> okay, let's get to the scriptures. So John is born. Everyone in the community is saying his name is going to be Zachariah, right? And John speaks up and he says immediately, well, John says no. His name is supposed to be, I'm sorry, Zachariah said no, his name is supposed to be John. So Zachariah gets in alignment with the prophetic identity and calling and name and assignment on John's life. Now, I could be wrong, but when I think throughout all of the names in the Old Testament, I don't think there was one John. I can't remember one John. There are a lot of Zacharias. There's not one John. God was breaking in and doing something entirely new. And he was punctuating that with the boy's name. It starts here. There's power and authority and identity in his name. And Father, I need you to get in alignment with his name. Because his name is associated with his identity and his calling. So John gets, or Zechariah gets into alignment, and now God opens his mouth because now that you've gotten into alignment with what I'm trying to do in this next generation, now I'll allow you to speak. So watch what happens here in Luke 167. His father, oh, this guy's, I'm telling you, this, I love this so much. His father was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what did he do? Did, did you not learn anything from last week's message? Thank you. Let's try that one more time, church. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied. You're a good church. Because the power of the Holy Spirit will affect, it will affect our words, church. And here's what I want you to walk away with today. And Jonathan, you can come up. And if, if we have a moment, I'd like for us to go back into that bridge of the blessing. Here's what I need you to walk away with. That the Holy Spirit is waiting to anoint your mouth to be a vessel of blessing. That the Holy Spirit is wanting to partner with your words. He's wanting to give you words to create atmospheres and environments and a culture that will bless generations to come. Some of you are in this room right now and you can still hear the words of authority figures hanging over your life. Pastors, coaches, parents, ex-spouses. And today in the authority of Jesus' name, I just cut 
the influence and the power of those words that have hung over you and shaped you, that have put an invisible ceiling over your life. And I'm here to announce today, no, that that invisible ceiling of those word curses is broken off of your life in the name of Jesus. That the cycles of destruction and sin They are broken off of your life in the name of Jesus. And you are here today to start a new cycle of blessing for your life and your lineage and your legacy and your family and your school and your neighborhood and your church, friends. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. Just imagine Zechariah holding baby John in his hands, looking at him filled with the Holy Spirit, and he begins to speak into John's destiny. This is who you are, boy. The things that have been spoken of you of long ago, I get it now. I get it. I'm seeing it now. You're going to be a forerunner, and you're going to go into the wilderness, and I don't care. I don't care what anybody else says about you. You eat those locusts, boy. You eat those locusts. You walk around like a crazy man. You grow your hair out. I don't care because I have revelation This is who you're called to be. And I see it, and I'm in alignment with it, and I'm going to defend it, and I'm going to protect it, and I'm going to believe in it, and I'm going to fight for it. This is who you are by the Spirit of the living God. Moms and dads, this is what the next generation needs. This is what they need. This is your fight. This is your battle. Get into the Spirit of God and into the presence of God and wrestle Him until He gives you a word until he gives you new language, until he gives you a liturgy over your situation and over your children, natural or spiritual. Wrestle with him. He'll give you a blessing. I'll say this last story and then we'll go to the song here. We just married off our niece yesterday, Mariah Swank. So beautiful. And the Swanks have created a culture in their family. It's so amazing that every single one of their family members at birthdays or in special moments, they will write a blessing. They will write a blessing. I've sat, years now, I've sat around the table. I've sat around the table where they will, every one of the kids, and they've done this when they were young, that every child will write a blessing for that kid who has a birthday. And we stood up on the rehearsal dinner and true to form, every one of those kids stood up and they they pulled out their paper and they just began to read their blessing over their sister who's about to be married. Blessing her identity, blessing her calling, sending her, friends, they've been doing this for decades. You know what they did? They created a culture of blessing in their home, which my, my brother-in-law, Todd, did not grow up with. My sister-in-law, Carmen, did not grow up with. You know what they did? They caught a revelation and they changed, they changed the cycle. They changed the trajectory. And where there was, where there was a, a pattern of divorce and abandonment and abuse, they changed it. And they created an environment that was pregnant with the blessing of God. Will you stand with me to your feet this morning? May his favor. May his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon
upon you and a thousand generations and your family and their children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning you're coming and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing is for you 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 you are not cursed because of the faithfulness of Jesus you are blessed he's not against you he's for you his face is shining on you he loves you his grace is for you this is the gospel message Everything that I'm saying today loses its power if not for the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. All it is is what the world's trying to do. It's a counterfeit. It's a substitute. It's positive talk. But what I'm bringing you today is not positive talk. It's the gospel of Jesus. That though we were once dead in our sins, he made us alive with Christ. He chose you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and he calls you beloved. This is what he speaks over you friends. He speaks blessing. He speaks goodness. He speaks identity. He speaks future. He speaks promise over you. And all we have to do is say amen. I agree with that. I say yes, I receive that, I want that, I believe that. So right now here with every head bowed and every eye closed, I pray today that if you don't know Jesus, and if you don't know the love of God the Father, and if you're far from him or wandering from him or questioning about him, today I wanna share the gospel of the love of God with you, that God created you in his image out of relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Friend, he created you to know you. He created you with a beautiful uh, design. He created you with a purpose. He created you to love and be loved. He created you to put the fingerprints of God into the earth, but because of our own choices and because of sin that runs in our very blood, 
we chose to disobey and go our own way. And we've reaped the consequences ever since. We don't have life in us. We can't dream anymore. There's brokenness in our relationships. We have anxiety, depression, fear. We're riddled with guilt and shame. But Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth. And he came to take the punishment and the penalty of our sin upon himself. And he died a brutal death on a cross. And when he died, he took the effect of sin off of our lives. And he put it on himself. And he says, now I offer to you life. I offer you salvation. I offer you eternal life. I offer you relationship with the Father. Come back to your God-given origin. Come back to your origin story. Come back to your calling and walk with me and let us experience everything that we were created to experience, life in God. Scripture says that if we will believe that in our heart, if we will repent of our sin, and if we will receive Christ Jesus, but we will be born again. And right now, I want to give you a moment to do that. Between you and God in this holy space, I want to give you a moment to do that. Pray your own prayer. God, forgive me. Lord, I'm sorry. Father, forgive me for rebelling. Father, forgive me for my disobedience, for my arrogance, for my pride. And Father, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin. Have mercy on me and welcome me back into your family. You don't have to work your way into the family. You don't have to prove yourself after this. Simply receive what God has done for you. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke that bread and he says, this is my body and it's broken for you. Take it and eat. And then he took the cup and he says, this is the cup which represents my blood, my physical blood, which is gonna be shed for you. And this blood is being shed so that you can be absolved of all your sins. Then he says, take and drink and be forgiven. So friend, today, when you come today, I pray that you experience Christ in the body and in the blood in a fresh, dynamic way. I invite you to come to the table now.
kept hearing this in my spirit as you were coming forward. He's changing your story and the story of your family. I just met as clear as day in my spirit. And that may not be for all of you, but there's somebody specifically you need to hear that today. Maybe it's somebody watching online. But I just, in my bones, I feel like someone here needs to hear. God is saying to you, I am changing your story and the story of your family. I'm writing a new story for you. You just receive that. God, we say yes to your story. You are the author. You are the author. You are the author. You are the author. You are a good author. And we say yes to what you are writing. And right now, God, I break fatalism off. I just break the spirit of fatalism off right now. That says, this this is my lot. I just say no. Because the same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is authoring your story and the story of your family. Friends, will you take the bread and will you break it in your hand? This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. And with the cup, your sins have been forgiven by the faithfulness and obedience of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Let us receive the cup. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Before I lose you, can I ask you to do something? This week, will you activate this word and will you find one person to bless? One. Write him a text. Take them out to coffee. Write them a handwritten note. You don't have to couch it in overly spiritual language, but get with God and ask God what he sees or thinks about that person and write it or say it. Just one person. And if we do that every week, guys, we will become a people who are filled with the spirit to bless the world around us. Amen. Will you do that? I'll do it. I'll do it if you do it. I'll do it even if you don't. Do Let's do it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye. up today. Let me bless you as we are sent out. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And so they will put my name on the Israelites and bless them. Life Midtown, I bless you today in the name of Jesus. Go forward and walk in the blessing of God. Amen.